0: Chapter 30 Demons. Several flashlights lit up from the forest behind them as a booming voice shouted, LVPD, drop your weapons and put your hands on your head. They jumped and turned around quickly. A dozen or so police officers walked slowly out from the woods, all shining flashlights in their faces, and all pointing guns directly at them. The same officer said once more, drop your fucking weapons and put your hands on your head. The two men with Stephen did as the officers said and dropped their weapons. Stephen didn't. Before I realized what happened, Jade pushed me hard enough that I fell to the ground, and half a second later, there was a gunshot, three more followed immediately after. A single thought thundered through my head. He fucking shot her. She's dead. I heard a man speaking into a radio, shots fired, requesting immediate medical assistance. I managed to look over and see Steven slumped against the car with three bullet wounds scattered in his torso, a pistol hanging limply from his hand. Someone held their hand out to me to help me up, and as much as I expected it to be one of the officers, I realized it was Jade. I stared at her in confusion, my eyes scanning every bit of her that I could see to figure out where she was hit. I didn't see anything. I hesitantly took her hand and stood up while the officers cuffed the two other guys and tried to figure out if Steven was even alive. One walked up to Jade while holstering his gun and asked, Are you okay? She didn't have a chance to respond before another shouted, she just dodged a fucking bullet. I looked at her in amazement, but she still seemed just as calm as when she was staring down Steven. She actually seemed more concerned with whether or not she hurt me when she pushed me aside than with the fact she had just been shot at. Are you okay? I didn't mean to push you that hard," she asked apologetically. I had no words. She dodges a bullet and then asks me if I'm okay? And here I thought every time you went full matrix and dodged a punch that it was impressive. I'm disappointed we were the only ones to witness that," another called out. It took about ten minutes for an ambulance to arrive. The officers were doing what they could to keep Steven alive, though just barely. While they loaded him into the ambulance, one of the men pulled Jade aside to get a statement, while another comforted me. The whole slew of emotions that had run through me in only a minute's time really drained me mentally. I finally managed to ask him, what happened? He looked down at me and cleared his throat Well, after two of the men dropped their weapons, the other turned around and fired. It was a very well aimed shot, and had she not moved, it would have hit Miss West in the chest, likely killing her. She seemed to anticipate this and pushed you aside, then dodged out of the way. Those reflexes of hers are really something. Yeah, I mumbled, looking over at her, they are. It was hard for me to stomach just how close I came to losing her again. It happened so fast, faster than I could even comprehend. Yet, she managed to do the unthinkable. I wasn't quite sure how to feel. The ambulance left and soon after, the cops left as well, leaving Jade and I alone in the dark parking lot. She looked over at me and asked again, Are you okay? You just almost died and you're asking me if I'm okay? She shrugged, almost nervously, and muttered, that doesn't mean I'll stop caring about your safety. It's official. She's a fucking lunatic. I shook my head and pushed her against the side of the car. I tangled my fingers in her hair as I kissed her. She responded just as passionately as I did, and I felt like, to a certain degree, we were both unsure of what to think or say. I got lost in her, I needed to. I did everything I could to make it so every sense I had was nothing but her. Every other time when I was overwhelmed like this, my solution was to numb the pain with drugs or alcohol. I didn't want that again, I didn't want to lose everything again. The taste of her lips and the feeling of her hands on my waist made me just as high. She eventually pulled away and held up a hand, hold on, before I forget. She then ran to the other end of the parking lot and pulled out her phone, using the flashlight to look into the trees. I guess she found what she was looking for and took something out of her pocket and began digging at the tree. A minute or so later, she walked back and held up a bent and almost floral looking bullet, in case people don't believe me. I smiled and rolled my eyes, let's go home. The ride home was quiet as Jade held my hand most of the way. I enjoyed the serenity of nighttime drives with Jade, despite all of the hell we'd just been through. Most of the drive was through dark and deserted roads, open fields, and forests for miles. Even though I wasn't even driving, the monotony of the road was making me sleepy. Jade looked exhausted but kept her eyes open. Two hours eventually passed and Jade stopped in the parking lot of a little diner. Only a few other cars were in the lot which didn't surprise me, considering it was past three in the morning. She looked over at me, food? I nodded slowly. We got out of the car and walked into the diner. We sat down in a booth next to the window that looked out to Jade's car, and I looked around to see a couple people at a couple different tables. It was pretty quiet. A man, who could have only been around thirty, came to our table. A close look at his face told me he was exhausted and didn't want to be there, but still smiled at us. Good evening, my name's Trent. What can I get for you ladies to drink? Coffee for me, please, Jade told him. Coffee for me as well. He nodded and left. Jade glanced through the menu and asked, What are you hungry for? I couldn't help but smile at her and say something that I knew sparked a memory for her I could go for some chicken strips. Flashback. I swear if you girls eat any more chicken strips, you'll turn into chickens." I gave Mrs. West a huge smile, that'd be awesome. Jade took another big bite of the chicken and raised her arms in a sort of chicken-wing way. I just laughed and nudged her, the transformation is starting. Oh dear, I'll have to take your uniform to the alteration shop so it can fit your new chicken body. She swallowed the food and shook her head quickly, no. I don't want to be a chicken, they can't fly. That's your biggest concern?" Jade shrugged and looked at me, if I must be turned into a bird, I want to be able to fly. Is that too much to ask? End of flashback. She smiled and reached over the table to hold my hand. The guy came back and set the cups down for us, would either of you like anything to eat? Chicken strips and fries for both of us, please." Side of sour cream as well, I added, smiling. He quickly wrote it down and left. I looked at her, so, was this what you planned? She seemed a bit caught off guard by the question and just looked at me, confused. Him walking right into that trap, it doesn't seem like him to do this. Being so careless. Jade sighed and easily fell into the story, this wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing. I didn't just up and decide to lead him right into a trap for no particular reason. I've been planning this for a long time, slowly laying the groundwork for this. Do you remember how I told you that sometimes, to win, you have to focus on the long game?" I nodded. This is what I was talking about. Every little hiccup in the plan you thought we had? It was all intentional. Beck and Andre both had it in their minds that I was completely oblivious to all that was. Going on, but in reality, I was in the center of it all. Now that he's in custody, I'm completely fine with saying I played him like a puppet. He did everything I wanted him to, because I gave him all the reason in the world. He thought he was winning, but he was never ahead in the first place. I couldn't help but furrow my eyebrows, so everything that's happened since we reunited was planned? She shrugged, more or less. So you planned for him to drug me, get me pregnant, then attempt to kill me with a hot shot? There was an odd look on her face at that, as if she could have lived her entire life without ever hearing that sentence. I didn't blame her. Not necessarily, but I knew it would happen, it was just a matter of when. That's why I prepared in advance. What was the purpose of leading him to Nevada for all this? Why not just do it back in LA? James told me he at least has charges in California, Oregon, Nevada, and Arizona, which means, by law, he can be tried and convicted in any one of those states. You see, just a few months ago, California decided the death penalty was unconstitutional, and since Stephen is facing more than enough charges for him to be put out for the firing squad, we decided to take him to the nearest place that wouldn't have any issues with giving him the needle and tossing him into the fiery pits of hell where he belongs. Though it probably would have been easier if the cops had shot him dead tonight. She paused, then added, Plus, his gang doesn't reach as far as Vegas. So he's alone. But the backlash Charlie told us about. "'Won't happen,' Jade replied confidently, "'See, Stephen will throw as many people under the bus as he can to avoid the inevitable. With all of his old associates pissed at him for double-crossing them, there won't be any attention on us.' "'But why? Why what? Why would you do all this? Go to such great lengths to get him out of the picture?' She held my hand a little tighter, I was protecting the people I love. He threatened my friends, my brother, the woman I love. That kind of thing is inexcusable in my book, and he had to pay. He wanted to keep you for himself, but I think you'll find panthers are among the most territorial animals in the world. I lost you once, I'll be damned if I lose you a second time." A thought occurred to me, and I asked, that night at the bar, when Deontay attacked us? I had only gotten the tip off after we got there." but I didn't know when or how it would happen, so there wasn't a whole lot I could do. As for talking to Stephen directly? I knew exactly who I was talking to, it was just Beck that didn't know. They always said they didn't want you to know everything because they thought you'd lose your cool too easily. She frowned a bit, yeah, that kind of offended me a bit. I think you got a pretty good demonstration tonight just how well I'm able to control myself trust me, when I really want to, I won't show any emotion at all. I play a pretty damn good statue too. I saw that. I don't know how many of my fights or weigh-ins or anything you've seen, but on my very first fight, at the weigh-in, the chick was insulting me a lot, so afterward, Randy took me to Japan to train with a man that taught me how to control myself better. I won't bore you with the details but he taught me about controlling my heart rate in stressful situations, which subsequently cuts down on fidgeting, nervous eye movements, and posture that projects any sort of submissiveness. She smirked. I still remember, on the very last day, to test what I'd learned, he had me meditate in this circle. When I started, I had no idea what he really had in mind, and all he told me was that no matter what, I needed to stay completely calm, stare straight ahead, and not move a single muscle so I knew he was gonna do something to test me. This guy then went behind me and I heard the flick of a lighter, and the rocks all around me lit on fire. So here I was, literally in a circle of fire, and when I did exactly as he said, he told me that I was ready to face anything life threw at me. I had to ask, how close was the fire? Jade thought a moment, well, at its closest point, the heat actually hurt, so it was pretty close. It wasn't close enough to light my clothes on fire or anything. I just sort of laughed, I find it truly amusing how much things have changed in only six years. What do you mean? When I dated you the first time, yeah, you were a rich and talented kid. But I just think it's funny how in only six years, you became a millionaire, mastered a plethora of disciplines, became undefeated in your dream career, fell off the deep end into addiction, overcame it, and you're still a fucking amazing person." She just shrugged and blushed a bit, the exact same way she reacted whenever I complimented her, even years ago. I just snorted, and still as humble as ever. Look, I was born and bred to be humble. My parents never dealt with any ego trips, they shut that shit right down. Yeah, they helped build up my confidence and always made me feel great about myself, but they never let it get to my head. The guys I train with, and that gym, it never matters who the fuck you are. They don't care how much money you have, how much talent you have, how many belts you've got or even what your record is. You put up or shut up every single day, no fucking around. So that keeps you grounded?" Jade just nodded, yeah, it does. Don't get me wrong, those guys are the first to tell me how great I am after a good fight or a long day at the gym, but the praise is always earned. There are no handouts." Trent came back to our table holding two baskets of chicken strips, setting them down in front of us. I looked back at him, the sour cream? He mouthed fuck and held up his hands, I'm sorry, I'll be right back with it. A minute later, he was back and apologized again, I'm sorry, it's been a long night. Why are you working so late? Jade asked him. I've been working three jobs, trying to save up enough to make sure my son has a good Christmas. Three jobs? Doesn't his mother have a job? He seemed sad and looked as if he had to force himself not to break down, she's not with us anymore. Jade nodded slowly. He didn't realize just how much she sympathized with his situation. She just smiled, thank you. Trent seemed a bit confused, and she clarified, for being positive in spite of it all. It's what your son needs. I'm doing everything I can to make sure he has what he needs. Just remember that he still needs you, too, and sometimes that's the best gift you can give him. He smiled, genuinely and looked as if he wanted to cry, you're right." She nodded and he walked off. I looked at her, but she didn't say anything and began eating. After I'd barely finished my first, she was already finished eating all three and the fries, and was just sitting back sipping her coffee. Trent left the receipt with us and while I ate, Jade got out her credit card and set it on the table, then picked up a napkin and began writing. He came by and grabbed her card then returned with it a few minutes later. After I'd finished, I picked up the napkin to read what she wrote. I lost my mother when I was eighteen, she died giving birth to my brother. I wasn't a little kid, but she still meant the world to me. It hurts like hell to lose someone you love, and I'd like to tell you that it gets easier, but it doesn't, you just learn what it's like to live in a world without them. The worst thing you can do is forget about her. Show your son pictures, tell him stories, tell him all about the woman you knew. Keep her alive through memories. Your son is lucky to still have a father that cares so much, just remember that nothing is worth giving up time with someone you love. Stay strong, the panther. It was incredibly heartfelt, and I knew that she meant every word. I glanced at the receipt and saw she had left a solid hundred thousand dollar tip. The shock from seeing how easily she'd give away so much quickly dissipated when it occurred to me that she did it because she knew the pain he was feeling. She finished the last of her coffee and stood up, offering her hand to me. I took it and as we left, I realized she was leaving before he found it, before he could refuse it. Just before getting in the car, I glanced back through the window to where we had been sitting to see Trent holding up a piece of paper, a balled-up fist over his mouth. His eyes moved to us, to Jade. She smiled at him and then got in the car. Due to how close the car was to the window, I knew he could read her license plate. I wondered just how long it would be until he realized exactly who she was. I slid into the passenger seat and stayed quiet until we'd gotten back onto the road. Why? Nobody deserves to go through something like that and then suffer even more. As much as I piss away money on stupid things, I'd rather give it to people like him. People who give a shit about their kid and would give the world just to see them smile. Mikey deserves a father like him, not that piece of garbage who bailed as soon as things got bad. The reality of everything seemed to slowly set in, and she added, "'I almost fucking died tonight.' Mikey would've had nobody. Just, in that one second, everything could've been over. Everything could've changed just like that. That man is still alive, his son is still alive, but he had to put aside just how torn up he was inside to worry about money just so his son didn't suffer any more than he already had to. That kind of selflessness is what we need more of in the world. I didn't ask any more questions. I could almost hear all of the thoughts raging through her head. I just watched the monotony of the roads for the next two hours. As we entered Los Angeles, it made me think of the busy streets of downtown Manhattan. I was glad to see familiar scenery, and after another twenty minutes or so, we arrived back at her house. Seven dogs greeted us at the door, wagging their tails excitedly. We quietly crept past the several people scattered around on the couches and upstairs to her room. Hugo made himself comfortable in his dog bed while I just collapsed on the bed and passed out. New York has always confused me. She groaned loudly and put her arm over my shoulders, handing me the joint, here, take a hit, and don't get so philosophical that you hurt yourself. I rolled my eyes and inhaled the smoke, blowing it up toward the tall ceiling. I stared out at the busy streets of Manhattan, All of the apartment buildings with massive floor to ceiling windows displaying all of the nothingness inside. It's just kind of silly how all of the money you shell out toward apartments in this city goes to more and more emptiness. It's stupid because with all that money, they could easily be hitting the smack in a moderate to shit hotel like us. She leaned heavily on me as she sipped vodka straight from the bottle and looked at the city. Don't think too much about it. We're leaving in the morning. Atlantic? Just Brooklyn. Atlantic next week. Shit, as close as Brooklyn is, we could just stay here. She plucked the joint from my fingers, we could, but I found some friends we can stay with for a few days. Said they got this new stuff, supposed to be really good. What's the catch? Usual, probably. I couldn't care less, I just need something good. Stop looking at me like I've lost my mind. You have? It'll be fine. Just trust me, okay? He's cool, I swear." Oh, yeah, powerful gang leader, super chill dude. She put her hands on either side of my face, relax. Charlie's cool. He'll take care of you as long as you're on his side. Nothing to worry about. I sighed, I hate being back in this city. Say la vie. Let's go." She opened the door and led the way inside. Several men were gathered around a living area, most looking like the typical thugs. Two stood out to me, one being a bit better dressed than the rest and generally a more wealthy appearance, while the other was quite handsome, giving me a smirk that made my heart skip a beat. Charlie she shouted, running over to the wealthy-looking man and hugging him. He smiled and hugged her back, I missed you, kid. How was the East Coast? It was fun, but it's nothing compared to home. Charlie looked at me, what's your name, sweetheart? Tori. He gestured to the men in the room, naming them off for me, finally stopping at the man next to him, and this is Stephen, my right-hand man. I smiled nervously at him, his confident smirk still firmly on his face as he looked at me. What about you, Tori? What's your preference? I swallowed hard and forced myself to look away from him, I like the East Coast better. He titled his head, Why's that? I don't like this city. It has too many bad memories for me. Charlie spoke in almost a fatherly voice People giving you trouble? I can take care of that. I shook my head, no. Just, a lot of the places in this city have memories of someone I'd just like to forget about. He nodded understandingly, well, there's nothing you can do to block out those memories, but rather than avoiding them, make new ones. Find someone new and overwrite those bad memories with good ones. Life sucks and shit happens, just gotta keep on moving. I couldn't help but look back at Steven, who just winked at me. I woke up, the room was brightly lit by the sunlight streaming through the windows, and I felt calm. I had woken up on my back and was looking at the ceiling. I was about to get out of bed when it occurred to me that I couldn't move. I tried to turn my head, wiggle a finger, say a single word, but nothing happened. Fear started to overcome me, and suddenly I heard his voice. I'm back. He drawled, his voice sickeningly sweet. Did you miss me? I couldn't see him, but I heard his voice clear as day. A pressure at the end of the bed slowly grew closer to me until I was able to see his face. He had an evil, Cheshire Cat grin on his face. The weight of his body on mine was as real as the way he looked or the sound of his voice. His hand was on my throat, slowly gripping it tighter and tighter until I couldn't breathe. Even though I couldn't breathe, I could still smell his cologne. It made me sick. I tried so hard to move or scream or do anything, but there was nothing I could do. I was so certain I was going to die. My breathing became heavier and I managed a slight whimper as his hand grasped my throat so tightly I was getting lightheaded. And then it stopped. He was gone, his scent, the weight on my chest, the hand on my throat. It was all gone, instead replaced with a very concerned-looking pit bull who nudged me continuously until I moved. He licked my face, as if to make sure I was okay, and then did the exact same to Jade to wake her up. I sat up and looked around the room, fully expecting to see him still standing somewhere, but the room was empty. The sunlight still flowing through the windows and the calm silence of Jade's bedroom was all I could sense. From behind me, I heard Jade nearly growl at her dog, asking him what he was doing, but he didn't stop until she fully woke up. I wanted to turn around and tell her I was okay and that it was just a bad dream. But I wasn't okay. I was fucking terrified. I hadn't felt that sort of fear in so long. I had gone to bed feeling safe, knowing he was in custody five hours away and couldn't get me anymore. I was alone in bed with Jade she could protect me. She was supposed to. But she didn't, because she couldn't. I just laid there and prayed to the god I didn't believe in to help me battle the demons in my mind in hopes that this wouldn't be the next battle I'd have to fight. Chapter 31 Nightmares After only seven days since Stephen's arrest, things were getting much, much worse. The nightmares plagued Tori every single time she fell asleep depriving Jade of her much-needed rest after Mallory and Beck had changed her schedule to make up for lost time. The exhaustion was quickly catching up to Jade, as she also had to contend with the nightmares that came to Mikey most nights. As she trained all day and only slept a few hours a night, Randy began to notice the decline in her mental health and had put a stop to the workouts. Unfortunately, as much as the training wore her out, without it she was forced to deal with everything else that she much rather would have avoided as long as possible. Tori began to withdraw into herself, not even having half her usual personality. Kat tried to get her to open up, but it was always in vain. She was tired all of the time, and had resorted to staying up all night reading, only falling asleep when her body just couldn't handle anymore. She slept about three hours every few days. It was clear to most everyone that she was on the very edge of relapsing into her old habits. Mikey still seemed down about losing his father, spending most of his time in his room with Ace, playing with his toys or just sleeping. Jade tried to get him to spend time with other family members, but he never seemed any happier anywhere else, only a little more anxious. When his nightmares struck, he'd begin crying loudly once he woke up, and Ace would have to bark loud enough to get Kyujo's attention so he could wake up Jade. Jade did everything she could to make them feel better, but she knew this was a fight she couldn't win on her own. She couldn't battle the demons in their minds as much as she wanted to. The sleep deprivation was waning on her. The fact neither of them seemed interested in saying much to anyone hurt even more. Things got to be too much for Jade to handle, when Tori and Mikey both inadvertently hurt her bad enough that she left, only coming back at around seven the next morning. While training in the basement, Mikey had come down to watch his sister. It was rare as he didn't usually have much interest in leaving his room. Jade paused the drills to take a drink of water and had reached over to mess up Mikey's hair, something she often did as a form of hello. Mikey seemed caught off guard by it and flinched away from her. It made her stop immediately and retract her hand. He looked up at her with such heartbroken eyes, as if silently begging her not to be angry with him. She just turned away and continued the drills, trying like hell not to think about it. Later that night after dinner, Jade leaned over to kiss Tori, and in doing so, had moved her hand toward her cheek. As Tori seemed to be lost in thought, the action seemed to have the exact opposite effect as Jade had intended and Tori flinched away from her as well. Same as she did earlier, Jade retracted her hand and stepped back. Tori looked as if she wanted to apologize, but Jade had already turned around and was halfway out the door. Randy stood nearby, having witnessed both events and feeling terrible for his friend. Tori looked crushed as she watched Jade leave, entirely blaming it on herself. Her eyes moved to Randy, silently asking him why. Mikey did the same thing this morning. He crossed his arms and leaned against the counter. Both of you have actually been doing it pretty frequently, just never so close together. She opened her mouth to respond, but she had no idea what to say. Randy watched her for a few minutes as Kat attempted to console her. He wanted to do something, but only thought of a few possibilities, one standing out amongst the rest. He knew it was a terrible idea. But in comparison, it wasn't as bad as the other options. He had no idea when Jade would come back, but he hoped she wouldn't attempt to kill him if she found out. Randy left the kitchen and came back a few minutes later. He walked up to Tori and held up a hand, listen to me very carefully, he looked her in the eye as if to show her he was dead serious, if you take this, you need to go directly to bed, okay? No showers, no reading, nothing. Bed. Immediately. Take Cujo right upstairs and get in bed. Don't get up for anything. Whatever you need to do before bed, do it before you take this. Do you understand?" He spoke slowly and calmly, repeating himself to drive the point home. She hesitated and looked at the pill in his hand, then nodded. Randy then took Kat's hand and put the pill in it, then closed it into a fist, do not give this to her until she's in bed. Jade can be angry at me later for allowing you into her room. I need you both to understand that staying awake after taking this will end badly, but if you go directly to sleep, you very well could sleep through the nightmares." At that, Tori was immediately sold, but she was still unsure of exactly what he was giving her. As cautious as he was about it, she had a sneaking suspicion. This was one of the medications Jade was on. A massive part of her had terrible feelings about taking a drug that had so thoroughly fucked up Jade, but a smaller, yet more dominant part of her mind had an incredible desire to feel the weightlessness of a high once again. You're sure about this? Cat asked him. He nodded, Do exactly as I told you and she should be fine. As exhausted as she was, Tori figured she may as well go to sleep right then. With Kyujo just behind them, she and Kat went upstairs to the double doors at the end of the hall. I never actually thought I'd be in Jade's bedroom, Kat muttered. Tori didn't say anything as she opened the doors and walked inside. Kat sat down in a chair near the west windows, watching the sunset as Tori got ready for a shower. Similar to what she had done weeks before, Tori looked at her body as the water was running. Instead of bruises from being abused, there were bruises left behind from Jade's attempts to make her feel better. She felt horrible from flinching away from Jade when all she'd ever done was try to help. She just hoped that, at least at some point, Jade would understand that she wasn't afraid of her. She showered quickly, got dressed, and left the bathroom. She walked over to Cat and held out her hand for the pill. But Cat shook her head and pointed to the bed, lay down first. Tori did as she said and laid down in bed, and only after she got all situated, Cat handed her the pill and a glass of water. She took the pill and washed it down with the water. Cat moved to leave, but Tori grabbed her arm, stay, please. Just for a while. She sat down next to the bed and rested her head on her arms, which she laid down on the bed next to Tori. Tori sighed and sunk into the pillow, I don't know why this is happening to me. I just want it to stop." Kat gently ran her fingers up and down Tori's arm, in all honesty, for a few seconds you thought Jade had been shot, and you also had to look at Stephen's bullet-ridden body. I'd guess that's a little traumatizing for anyone. Though personally, I'd like to see him dead. I think that's the problem, Tori muttered. I wasn't happy to think that he was dead. It didn't even make me feel better and I don't know why. He only ever abused you though, didn't he?" Torai shook her head, no, he didn't. Really, that was only the case in the final few months. What was it like before? I'll trust that you won't pass on this information to anyone. Kat nodded. For the longest time, I was actually in love with him. When I first moved back to L.A., I hated the city because everything always made me think of Jade. After a while, everything made me think of Steven. Most things still make me think of Steven, actually. Kat stayed silent for a few moments and then asked, Do you think he was ever really in love with you? Tori just looked sad, which made the answer pretty clear to Kat. It didn't hurt me too much. I'd sort of already convinced myself that I wasn't worthy of being loved by anyone again. I still have trouble accepting the fact that Jade actually gives a shit about me. Sweetie, you can't beat yourself up for the rest of your life over something you did when you were still young and stupid. I'm still young and stupid. Younger and more stupid, then. Really though, Tor, Jade is head over heels for you. You mean the fucking world to her and that is the only reason that she left tonight. As much as she loves you and Mikey, it hurts her that you'd flinch away from her. I guess she hasn't thought that you weren't really flinching away from her, just the memory of someone who used to hurt you. I'm not afraid of her. She makes me feel safe." Kat moved a few hairs away from her face, as tough and scary as she may be on the outside, she wears her heart on her sleeve. I can even figure out what she's feeling sometimes. You just have to dash." Torai suddenly reached out and grabbed Kat's wrist, stopping her mid-sentence, "'Kat, I'm getting high.' It took her a moment to actually realize what she meant, the medication? I can feel it. It's strong," she blinked a few times, "'Why the fuck haven't I had this before? As much as you've tried I'm actually kind of surprised." I can see why Jade got addicted to this." Kat wanted to ask what she meant, but Tori had fallen asleep only seconds after finishing her sentence. She stood up and walked toward the door. She looked back just before closing it to see Kyujo curl up behind her and rest his chin on her back. By the time Jade got back home, Randy was just finishing up making some coffee. He looked over as she walked in, welcome back. You can sleep, there won't be any training today." She just nodded slowly, tiredly, in acknowledgment. She put her keys away and headed straight upstairs to her room, fully expecting to see Tori laying awake reading or just staring out of the windows. Tori was asleep, Kyujo still curled up next to her. He raised his head as if to show her that he knew she was there, but he didn't get up. Jade wasn't quite sure what to think about it, but was too tired to really wonder anyway. She quickly got undressed and slid into bed, Hujo finally moving only to make room for her. At Randy's insistence, Kat ended up calling Matt and asking him to come over to attempt to figure out what was happening and what to do. As soon as he arrived, it was clear that he'd been mulling it over for quite some time, as he had a briefcase full of various papers, brochures, and books. He dove right into it as soon as he walked into the kitchen. Sleep Paralysis He set his briefcase down on the counter, it's a phenomenon that occurs most often when someone has an extended period of sleep deprivation, a massive disturbance in their circadian rhythm, or is under a considerable amount of stress. It's fairly common and generally thought to affect every person at least once in their lifetime. However severe it is depends on several different factors the last time you were here you said it was Stockholm," Jade pointed out. I'll be honest with you, Matt sighed, I was so certain she was suffering from Stockholm, the way she was acting, it looked so clear. The symptoms are still there, but I've been thinking about it more and more, writing things down. Trying to figure out what could be going on in her mind. I have theories, but it's hard to say for sure. What I do know is that certain aspects of Stockholm are still present, they are just more closely attributed to other disorders. Jade looked desperate, Matt, anything you can offer us will help. We've got nothing to go on right now." He clasped his hands together and paused for a moment, trying to find the right words. There's a defense mechanism hardwired into our brains, it's a shadow of what it was thousands of years ago, but the premise is still the same. Essentially, if something traumatic enough to hinder our survival would happen, our subconscious would block out the memory, so we can't actively remember it, however, it will still affect how our mind words. Even without remembering when or how or why, that repressed memory will affect the way we think and behave. As awful as these past few weeks were for her, what she's facing right now couldn't have been triggered by just these past few weeks. I'd be willing to bet there have been several other incidents that have been so horrific that her mind refuses to remember what they are, and these night terrors and sleep paralysis episodes she's battling are because of those repressed memories." Kat shifted her weight nervously, from what she's said, the past few years have been terrible for her. If that's only the tip of the iceberg. Jade didn't show any interest in stopping to ponder what could've happened. What can we do? There's no no definitive way to unlock those memories, but instances of controlled hypnosis have proven beneficial in the past to figure out what's going on in a person's mind. If you'd be willing, I could refer you to one of those specialists. I will warn you though, attempting to retrieve those lost memories could force her to remember them, which very well could end quite badly. After all, there is a reason her mind won't let her remember. What are our other choices? Randy asked. Matt tilted his head a bit, she could be medicated, maybe to the point of a medically induced coma just to get her body the rest it needs, or she could attempt to just deal with it. So what you're saying is we don't really have any other choices? Yes. What does Stockholm have to do with it? Kat asked. Well, if she did experience something especially traumatic, It's not at all uncommon to find solace in a particular person or thing. She may have seen him as a savior of sorts, and therefore would defend him if her mind had regressed back to the point that he was her safe place. In a moment of mental turmoil, she likely reverted to survival instincts, rather than really thinking through things logically. Randy seemed to be the only one willing to ask the hardest question, say we go through with the hypnosis, what's the worst-case scenario? Matt looked unsure of answering the question, but told him anyway, absolute worst-case scenario, would probably be a case that happened about five or six years ago. A woman attempted to retrieve the repressed memories, and they were far worse than anyone could have imagined, and she was driven to insanity. Psychosis set in, her insomnia got so bad that she'd lie awake most every day, only sleeping for an hour or so a week. She refused to eat, her body began to shut down, She was plagued with auditory and visual hallucinations, and she eventually ended up committing suicide. Nobody was expecting the brutal honesty of his statement, and the mental image he'd put in their minds made Jade physically ill. He was quick to try to rectify the horror he'd caused, please do keep in mind that a reaction such as that would be highly unlikely and was only triggered by a plethora of factors. If I had to guess, The reaction from Tori would be along the lines of an increase in intensity of her night terrors for a short time—she may lose her appetite for a while and possibly become slightly more withdrawn, but it won't be anything permanent. Things will have to get worse before they get better. Keep in mind that she still has a strong will to live, and as long as you give her a reason to keep fighting, she will." Randy tapped Matt's shoulder, silently telling him to stand up. He then took him out to the living room, out of earshot of the others. He spoke quietly in an attempt to prevent Jade in particular from hearing. Give it to me straight so I know what to expect, what could her mind possibly be repressing? Matt scratched his chin, it's hard to say. Based on what she does remember, it would likely be some sort of sexual abuse or witnessing a particularly violent event. However, Given that she remembers the abuse from her boyfriend and seeing people get beaten and murdered, it's either got nothing to do with violence of that type, or it's so horrible that what she remembers just pales in comparison. Christ sake, Randy muttered as he tried not to think about it, alright, thanks for telling me. No, Tori, I can't give it to you every night. You know as well as I do that the more you take, the less it'll do for you. Torai ran her fingers through her hair and looked behind herself for the fourth time to see if Jade had come home yet, what do I do then? There's nothing you can do, really. Just hope for the best. Hope for the best and still have to deal with these attacks, and then have to feel like shit because Jade gets no sleep again. It's not preferable, but there's really nothing we can do. This isn't going to go away overnight and it's just something we'd have to deal with, at least for now. Your appointment is in a week, all that's left to do is wait." She sat down on one of the bar stools. I've been thinking about that. He crossed his arms, do you not want to do it? I don't really think I have a choice, it's just, I don't know if I want to remember. I do remember some pretty fucked up shit, if it's worse, I think it's best to stay repressed, you know? He nodded, I think that's fair. Just keep in mind, this hypnosis thing will most likely put us one step further in the right direction. I know, but it just seems like a terrible idea to attempt to remember things that were so horrific my subconscious forced me to forget. You have to remember, those memories can't hurt you. They can scare you, but those dreams can't hurt you." Tori shook her head, they can, though. When the attacks come, I can't breathe, the weight on my chest is so real, I can smell him, it's like he's just right there. In sleep paralysis, your body is asleep, but your mind is awake. When you think you can't breathe, just remember that you breathe just fine when you're sleeping. Stay as calm as you can, breathe evenly and slowly, and that won't affect you. Memories can always trigger the senses, smelling him or hearing his voice, It's just a figment of your imagination. Believe me, if he were actually in that bedroom with Jade right there, it'd be less than ten seconds before she'd be beating him so badly he'd probably never even walk again if he did survive. As long as she has a say in it, he won't ever hurt you again. Focus on the fact that he's not really there. Do you actually think she'd do that? He raised an eyebrow, beat him up. Definitely. Really, she's trained extensively in controlling her emotions and staying calm, but if he was right there and hurting you, she wouldn't think twice about throwing that all out the window." Tori wasn't quite sure what to say, but Randy seemed to have enough words for the both of them, it's only been six or seven years since you saw her last. Back then, yeah, she was a very talented kid, she was and still is a prodigy. But in those six years she's trained like you wouldn't even believe. Of course, that little 17-year-old was a force to be reckoned with, and she'd fiercely protect what she cares about. But I'll be honest with you, it scares me sometimes, because there's not a single doubt in my mind that, if provoked, she would easily and without hesitation beat a person to death. She is very dangerous, and as much as she's trained, there are certain things that will set her off. Someone hurting you or Mikey, for example. That, well, that'd be the end of it. It worries me. You think she's dangerous? Absolutely. She's one of those people that you'd shit yourself if you were alone in a dark alley with. I'll tell you this though, she's very dangerous, but not to you. She wouldn't ever hurt you. She almost felt a sort of amusement toward that, is that your professional opinion? He shrugged and smiled, professional and personal. I know for certain that all of the skills she has would go toward protecting you, rather than hurting you. Can I ask you something? I trust that it'll stay between us. What's on your mind? Tori swallowed and hesitated. She didn't want to ask, she wasn't even sure she wanted to know the answer. A deeper sense of morbid curiosity won over in the end and she asked, What happened after I left? After you left six years ago? She nodded. Randy looked as unwilling to answer as she did to ask. He answered anyway, I assume you don't want me to sugarcoat it, so I won't. She held out hope that you would come back for longer than she probably should have. She tried to stay positive. She threw herself into her training. I'd guess so she didn't have to think about how you probably wouldn't end up coming back. She always had this image in her mind of you just showing up on her doorstep one day. Everything got so much worse when her mom died. She just went off the deep end. So, not everything was my fault? Randy almost wanted to laugh, not at all. You meant a lot to her, but the relationship she had with her mother, it couldn't be replaced. She was devastated when you left, but when her mom died, it's like she forgot how to function. In a way, you leaving made things worse, but nobody could have known. Everything that happened was just a series of extremely unfortunate events. It's not your fault, and really, she only ever blamed you once she got to the anger stage. She never really meant it. She blamed herself more than anything. Why? Look, this is sort of confidential information, but I feel like you deserve to know, so maybe you can ease her mind a little bit. She never really told me this until she was nineteen or so, but the reason she would sleep around so much wasn't so much a coping mechanism as it was something to feed her ego. She'd do it for the comments like oh you're great at this and so forth. The circumstances surrounding you leaving made her think there was something wrong with her. Still, she's expressed a lot of regret with that situation. I'm not implying you should be doing anything, but, if you do, it'd be of your own accord. I don't really want her even knowing we had this conversation." What conversation? she asked, feigning confusion. He smiled, thank you. They were both silent for a while as Randy refilled a water bottle. Torai seemed to find the words she was looking for and spoke as she stared at her hands, I still feel guilty for everything. I learned my lesson the first time about leaving, but I still can't shake this guilt I have for tossing Jade right into the middle of this whole mess. I was thinking a lot about these repressed memories Matt thinks I have, and as much as I don't want to know what they are, it scares me even more to think that Jade will know too. What's bad about that? about it," she looked up at him, if someone you cared about had gone through something that horrific, it'd tear you apart to have that image in your head of what they went through. I never wanted to reunite with Jade because, as much as my mind may have blocked out, what I do remember was absolute hell. I never wanted her to know what I went through, I never wanted her to have even the smallest thought that what happened to me was her fault. I know her, you know her, we both know how easily she can assume the worst she has this awful tendency to paint vivid pictures in her mind of things, and I don't want one of those to be about the hell I was in." Randy sighed and sat down next to her, listen, you can't stop that. It's inevitable. She'll paint this horrific picture in her mind, she'll seethe in her own anger for days, maybe weeks or months, she may plot to break into prison just to castrate him with her bare hands, but that'd be the end of it. She knows better, as much as she wants to set the world on fire for what happened to you, she won't. There's nothing you can do to prevent her mind from racing. All you can really do is just make sure that she always knows that you're still here, that you're alive, that you're okay. That's all she needs. It still makes me feel like trash. There's no reason to feel like garbage for something you had no control over. Believe me when I say that she never stopped loving you. I highly doubt anything would change that. It's not for lack of trying, there's just some things you can't ever let go of. I know your mind is a mess, and it would be even more so during the trial and likely the inevitable execution of someone you used to love, but it'll get better. The storm will pass and things will be all right again." Torai looked over at him, her brows furrowed, "'Wait, how did you know?' Did Cat tell you? He just chuckled, no, nobody told me. It was pretty clear to see on my own. She squeezed her hands together, does Jade know? Probably not. Her mind was a little too preoccupied to notice, I think. Though, if she does know, or would find out, she would have no justifiable reason to be upset over it. I doubt she would be, she just doesn't work that way. Yeah, Tori smiled a bit, she's more of the type to mark her territory and fiercely defend it rather than pick a fight with the ones she stole it from. I wouldn't say stole, so much as reclaim. He stood up and patted her back, go take a shower and relax. She should be home soon. She went upstairs and showered, then stood outside the bathroom door for about ten seconds, completely naked, and muttered to herself, getting dressed is so much effort. She laid face down on the bed, but only really managed to pull the blankets halfway up her legs as she buried her head in the pillow. She laid there for a few minutes, almost falling asleep, when the door opened. Hujo trotted inside and immediately curled up in his bed. The door closed, and it was silent for a few moments. Is this supposed to be a hint or were you actually just too lazy to put on clothes? Tori laughed into the pillow and turned her head slightly so Jade could hear her. You know me too well. She rolled over onto her back just as Jade was crawling toward her on the bed. She kissed her lips once, then down to her jaw and then her neck. Jade, are you okay? She didn't answer, instead opting to continue kissing Tori's neck as if her life depended on it. Jade, as oh, as much as I love this, it almost feels like you're marking your territory. I am, she mumbled against the sensitive flesh of Tori's neck. She reached up to put her hand on the back of Jade's head, but why? Do you think I cheated on you or something? At that, Jade immediately stopped and looked at her with the most crushed expression, did you? Tori frowned, I'm actually a little bit offended that you really think I would. I don't dash Jade realized her mistake at that point, and laid her head on Tori's shoulder, I'm not thinking clearly right now. That's kind of obvious. Why though? She leaned on the arm that was already next to Tori's face, her fingers playing in her hair, Randy said something that bothered me. You're gonna have to give me more than that, babe." He told me that the reason he's been giving you those pills was to ease you off of the addiction a little less suddenly because he was certain the more I wouldn't let you have it, the closer you'd be to leaving me for it. I mean, he's right, to a degree," Jade's face fell. Tori put her hands on either side of her face, to a degree. Sweetheart, as long as I was on drugs and as frequently, it's hard as fuck to let go of them just all of a sudden. I love you, so fucking much. And as much as I'd have the urge to leave you to go back to drugs, there's still a massive and more dominant part of my mind that tells me I have everything I need already. With you. Yes, the pills will help me to deal with things until they calm down, but once they do and these nightmares stop, I'm done taking them. You mean more than the drugs do. You always will. Jade actually looked genuinely scared and spoke with the one tone that nobody but Tori ever really heard, "'I don't want to lose you again.' Tori pulled her down enough to kiss her, you won't, okay? Just get that thought out of your head, because it won't happen. You're stuck with me. Trust me, I'm just as scared of losing you. You have so much more going for you, you could easily continue on without me." No, I couldn't. She rested her forehead against Tori's, I wouldn't be the same if I lost you again. It would crush me. Then it's settled. Neither of us leave, and we both get to keep our sanity." Jade smiled a little bit, I have to be honest. There's always been this incredibly dark and negative part of my mind that tries to tell me the only reason you've wanted me was for my money or power or fame. Tori looked entirely unimpressed, Jade, honey, I would still love you if you lived in a cardboard box, and that box was the only thing you actually owned. I would still love you if you couldn't even win a fight against a stuffed animal. I would still love you if not a single person in the world knew your name. The only thing that might impact how I feel about you is your skill in martial arts, and only because watching you fight or train is sexy as hell. I love you, Jade. It has always been just you, nothing else matters. I wouldn't even trade you for all the ecstasy in the world, and that's my favorite fucking drug, okay? That shit was what I lived for. Eventually, it would run out and I wouldn't have anything left. With you, every single night I can fall asleep in your arms and know that you'll always be there for me. Nothing is worth losing you. I need you to understand that, please." A tear ran down Jade's cheek as she smiled, blushing profusely at the overload of compliments. She went back to giving all her attention to Tori's neck, though this time slightly less urgently. Tori just sort of sighed, you and I both know that at this point in time, I'm entirely incapable of continuing after you're through. I know, she breathed. She just huffed, though both knew she wasn't actually annoyed. At least take your shirt off. I like watching the muscles in your back." Jade just snorted. Chapter 32 Good and Evil Her name was Tammy and honestly she only looked old enough to be my mother. She had bright eyes and a warm smile. I had respect for anyone who listened to everyone's problems day in and day out and still had the strength to smile at someone new. Her room was a perfect mix of uplifting brightness and comforting darkness. The first appointment I had with her was just so she could get to know me, while on the second, we delved into deeper problems. There was just something about her that allowed me to open up easier than I would have otherwise. She was a listener and would sit and let me talk for as long as I had the words to do so. She would never stop to judge anything I said. Even as I told her about my colorful history with drugs and violence she seemed to understand. I left no detail out as I told her all about how things got to be as bad as they were, and before I left, she gave me one task. Before you come and see me again next week, I want you to make a list of every single place in the world you can think of that gives you bad thoughts. It doesn't matter how near or far, if it holds bad memories for you, write it down. What will I do with the list? I'll tell you that next week. I don't want my answer to influence what you write down." So that leads me to now, as I sat in the corner of the large couch in front of the wall of picture windows, a notebook in my lap, a pen in my hand. Hujo was curled up on the floor near the windows, most likely asleep. The sun was setting, and I knew I had some time before I was supposed to do anything else. I looked at the blank sheet of paper and thought about it. A few places stood out immediately, and I quickly wrote them down. I thought harder about it after that, and by the time I'd exhausted every possibility, the list covered two full sheets of paper. The sun had gone down completely, Kyujo was now laying on his back, and almost an hour must have passed. I looked over my list and saw that the furthest place I had listed was from the one time I'd ever left the country. Granted, The one time I left the country kept me in foreign territory for almost six months, but it was still the only time I'd passed through American customs. I closed the notebook and picked up my phone to see that it was just past nine. I knew Jade would probably be putting Mikey to bed soon. I left the room, watching where Kyujo went just to see where Jade was. He checked Jade's bedroom, then Mikey's, then Randy's, and then came to the conclusion that she wasn't upstairs at all. Once we got downstairs he went straight to the kitchen, where I could hear several voices. I figured that's where they all were. I didn't have much desire to talk to them, so I turned and opened the door to the basement. I turned the light on and went down the stairs. I'd never spent a lot of time down in the basement, so it was a little new to be down there, especially with no one else present. The walls were painted just like the gym she worked out at, red with blue and black horizontal stripes, and the floor was covered in the same sort of foam that lined the octagons she fought in. I walked toward the far wall, where dozens of photos hung. Some were of her showing off her newest belt, some of her training when she was young. Others seemed to be more recent ones of her training with several different people. Further, down the wall, there was one of her in a sparring stance against an older looking Asian man. Jade West training with Judo Master Hiroshi Kano. Kyoto, Japan, March 23, 2012. The most recent scene to be from earlier this year, showing her accepting a four striped black belt from a man. Jade West accepting her fourth Dan belt in Jiu Jitsu from Master Kaito Maki. Mutsu, Japan, June 30. 2015. I realized she must have completed that only a couple months before we met again. Next to a group of about 15 photos, showing each time she'd won a professional fight, was a set of belts in shadow boxes. The date each was earned was engraved in a small plaque at the bottom of each. Beyond those were various photos that seemed to be from all over the world. One in particular caught my eye. It showed a very beautiful landscape covered in snow in the background, while the camera was focused on Jade and another man. She was on his back, and they were both smiling widely. He was definitely pretty handsome, with shaggy blond hair partially hidden by a maroon-colored beanie and striking blue eyes. Jade and Lucas Snowboarding Oslo, Norway, January 5, 2015 There were a few others of the same man. Most in a similar snowy landscape, with a few others being inside a very warm and comfortable looking cabin. All of the photos seemed to be from three different time periods one in January of this year, and another in late December of 2014, and another from November of 2013. I miss him. I jumped at the sound of her voice and turned around to see a small, mischievous smirk on her face. I huffed and put my hand over my heart, why do you do that to me?" She wrapped her arms around me from behind, because it's amusing. She looked up at the photos and pointed to one. It was taken inside the same cabin, though in the background I could see several windows lining a wall, with a set of French doors in the middle. The room was quite exquisitely decorated for Christmas, with a large tree in the corner and several presents under it. A large fireplace was lit with what looked to be an actual fire, rather than an artificial one, and there seemed to be six or seven people in the house that I could see. This was Christmas of 2014. I had first met Lucas the year before, but decided to come back again and spend Christmas with his family. Things are a little different over there, for sure. I leaned back into her, what's it like? You know how here it's really common to see people dressed up to go out to dinner or to clubs or whatever?" I nodded. It doesn't happen there. They never really put on a mask for people, they're just modest and pretty laid-back people. Casual clothes wherever you go, it's not expected for you to say please or thank you, there's no need for anyone to make small talk or anything like that. They're sort of reserved and aloof toward most everyone, only opening up to those close to them. People like Lucas, who are just like human puppies, they're nice to everyone and will talk to you as long as you want them to. Even he seems pretty content with silence though. What about Christmas? She smiled a little, as if remembering something. Over there, the biggest day is Christmas Eve. Everything's normal up until dinner time when bells ring, like the ones you hear here from churches and all that, and that's sort of when everyone goes home has dinner with family, and then opens presents after. Typically Christmas Day is spent with family up until a certain point, and then things continue as normal. You spend time with family while they're in town, which for them means within an hour's drive of you. I looked through all of the photos, the earliest one from Norway didn't have Lucas in it at all. So where'd you meet him and who is he? We went to Norway for a sort of vacation. I'd just won a pretty big fight and we were celebrating. Second day we went to a gym there, just to check everything out. I ended up finding this sort of dodge trainer, and it was only after trying it out that I realized they kept scores on it, and I'd beaten the top score. Turns out the guy who held first place before me was there at the time and had seen it. Long story short, the guy was Lucas, and he challenged me to a fight. Unlike here, there's not a lot of stigma surrounding men and women fighting in athletics. Obviously they have their own separate teams, but it's pretty common to spar with anyone. He's a pretty well-known fighter there, and a very decorated judoka. I'm pretty sure Randy still has the video of that fight, but it was a stalemate for the most part. He'd dodge most everything I threw at him, and vice versa. After deciding that there wouldn't be a winner unless one of us genuinely hurt the other, we got to talking and became really good friends. Jade paused and pointed at another photo, the one of her and Lucas after snowboarding, we'd snowboard a lot. We went hiking through the mountains or went for a run almost every day. Again, unlike here, it's common and usually expected for someone to be physically fit and active, so we fit in pretty well. It. Was relaxing and fun to be there, which is why I've gone back every year since then. What about this year? I was going to ask you about that. We had already planned to go, and you're more than welcome as well, if you'd like. I thought about it and asked, Is Lucas okay with me being there? She stopped holding on to me to take her phone out of her pocket, searching through it a moment before showing it to me. It was a text conversation between her and Lucas. She'd asked if it was okay to bring others with her, and he had responded enthusiastically. Of course, I'd love to meet your family and friends, just remember to pack warm clothes. It's so cold this year, people are starting to put away their short pants. I'd guess short pants means shorts? I asked. She smiled and nodded, so what do you think? I shrugged, I think it'd be fun, though I'm not exactly the most fit person in the world. Don't worry about it, it's not a big deal. We just won't take you hiking through the mountains. I'm still getting used to eating real food for every meal," I told Kat. It's fucking great, isn't it? I never realized lasagna could taste this good. I looked over at her plate and saw she was only as far as I was, about three-quarters of the way through what was on our plates. Meanwhile, everyone else had been done for at least ten minutes. Andre noticed what she had said and asked, are you complimenting my cooking or have you just never had real food? Both, actually. I almost wanna say this lasagna is better than sex. I put my hand over my mouth, as Andre smiled widely and nudged Beck, you think she just likes my food or… Don't even finish that," Beck warned him. You not letting things finish may be the problem here. He glared at Jade, who just looked entirely too amused. Cat pointed her fork at me, back me up here, this is better than sex isn't it? Yeah, how about you take some heat now? Beck told her. I took another bite of the food and made a show of thinking about it before finally telling her, his food is fantastic but there really isn't a comparison." Kat looked at me for a few seconds, licked her lips, then tilted her head and looked at Jade with a smile that was somewhere between seductive and joking. I grabbed the hand of the arm Jade had laid over my shoulders and held a finger up to Kat, no, she's mine. She gave me a sort of look that told me she wanted to hear more, and knowing her, lots more. Beck seemed as if he wanted to argue the point further though still didn't look insulted in the slightest. I guessed they had a tendency to joke with each other like that quite often and were relishing the opportunity to do so while Mikey was already in bed. Over on the counter, Jade's phone began to ring, and she got up to answer it. She looked at who it was, then put the phone on speaker and set it down on the table between her, Randy, Beck, and Andre. Randy leaned forward a bit to see who it was, hey mate, how are you? a man on the other end replied, Not too bad. Have I got all of you? Yep, what's up? Jade asked. Listen, uh… He paused and I could hear a faint sound of people talking in the background, Chris wanted me to give you guys a call and pass on two messages, both pretty big news. I'll start with the biggest piece first, you're familiar with MMAD, I assume? Randy's face lit up, familiar? I won that." Jade turned to Cat and I and whispered, more to Cat than me, since I already knew, mixed martial artist of the decade. The man laughed, believe me, man, I know it. I'd give you all the praise in the world, but you got all of it when you won. The reason I'm bringing it up is because, as I'm sure you know, the competition will be starting up here in a couple months and I'm happy to say that you're in the running. She looked happier than Randy did when it was mentioned, that's fucking great. What do I have to do? If you followed it last time, it's the same as it was before. There will be twenty nominees for each category, being male and female, and it's a single elimination bracket. Win your fight, move on to the next. The contest will span about six months, as it always does but the thing is, this contest will not give you any leeway in your SFC fights. Those will continue on as normal, and it's up to you to decide if the risk is worth the reward." All three guys seemed unsure at that point, each looking as if they wanted to tell her no, but there was no stopping her. "'I'll do it,' she told him confidently. "'I assume each and every one of your trainers will tell you no, but I'll make it clear to you. If you get an injury in this contest, you'll be out. You'll be out of the contest, and you'll lose your shot at the championship. If you already have it, you'll be forced to vacate it. This situation is a literal all or nothing for you. You have to be absolutely 100% sure that you want this. Either you come out on top with the championship and the mixed martial artist of the decade title, or you lose everything and work your way back up from the bottom. He was very blunt and didn't sugarcoat anything, which seemed to please Randy. I guessed he wanted her to fully understand the risk she was taking. Jade had a short moment of uncertainty, but it quickly disappeared. Go big or go home, man. There's one spot on top of the world, and if I don't make it, someone else will. The way I see it, that spot is mine. There was a deep sense of confidence in the statement, as if she knew she'd make it or die trying. While I didn't fully understand the extent of her talent and training, I knew the extent of her willpower. I knew she wouldn't give up the opportunity of a lifetime for what ifs, even if it wasn't the smartest move in the world. The man seemed content after explaining the details of the risk she was taking, and accepted her answer. I'll make it happen. On to the next piece of news, The date for your championship fight has been scheduled, and promos will begin next week. When is it? Randy was the first to ask. It'll be on April 23rd. The smile from Jade's face disappeared and she went from ecstatic to completely crushed in less than a second. I knew why right away, as did Randy. He put a hand over his mouth and leaned back in his chair. He seemed a little put off by the silence and asked, are you guys still there?" Beck and Andre both seemed a little confused and unwilling to answer. Randy was the only one able and willing to tell him, yes. Is that date final? Yes it is. Is that a problem? Randy cleared his throat and sat up, no, thank you for passing along the messages, Brian. I hope to hear from you again soon. He'd barely said his goodbyes before Randy tapped the screen to hang up the call. I looked over at Jade, and even though she was excited and confident only moments before, she looked utterly broken now. Kat didn't seem to quite understand the situation and asked, what's wrong with that day? Despite not wanting to even respond to Brian, Jade turned to her, looking like she wanted to cry, and told her, before my mom died she told me I was only allowed to be sad and mourn her one day of the year, on her birthday. Her birthday is April twenty-third. Kat then realized exactly what that meant, and even though she'd spent a good five minutes gushing about how good Andre's food was, she seemed to lose her appetite at that. Jade actually started to look sick and got up from the table, walking quickly out of the kitchen. I got up as Randy picked up her phone off of the table and handed it to me, giving me a look as his way of telling me to take care of her. I took the phone and followed Jade upstairs as Cujo was right behind me. I'd be the first to admit my decision to accept the nomination into the competition was stupid. It's stupid to risk everything I worked so hard for on a… slim chance of greatness. The date of my championship fight made me think I'd be better off backing out of the competition, in favor of keeping my career going strong. As much as it tore me apart, I knew there were only two possible ways the fight could end. I could either fall apart and sit in my own misery of something I couldn't change, or I could use every bit of anger and sadness I had buried inside me and win the fight. For her. My mind was a mess of thoughts the devil and angels on my shoulders arguing about which option was better for me. The devil wanted to use all of the anger I had up until the point I saw so much red I couldn't even focus on my fights, and then move on to fight in the competition with a clear head. The angel thought it best to power through my desire to crumble at the thought of fighting on that particular day, but to also back out of the competition. I figured that everyone had a little bit of good and evil inside them. I already knew I was capable of good, when I showed my little brother the love he needed so badly, and when I gave Tori a second chance at a better life and the relationship both of us missed so much. I also knew I was capable of evil, as much as I didn't want to believe it." Flashback. So you've seen her fight before? He had a very convincing smile as he leaned against the bar, absolutely. I've seen all of them, you've got some incredible skill. I put on the same mask of charisma he did, I'm glad you think so, I work hard every day to be the best I can be. Believe me, I know." He looked behind me, and I felt a hand on my shoulder. "'Jade, we should get going, it's getting late." Randy told me, then looked at Beck, "'Cat needs you." Beck quickly left, and Randy was just behind him. I turned out of the busy bar all around us and stared directly at him. He had a cocky grin on his face, as if he knew I couldn't hurt him here. He knew exactly who I was, and he knew that I knew exactly who he was. He spoke first, you may train every day, but all the skill in the world can't fight a bullet. Your run is coming to an end, West. I intend on winning this fight. Even though he was easily six to eight inches taller than I was, I stared at him with ferocity. I stayed calm but made sure he knew just how I felt about that statement. Your threats don't mean shit to me. I don't give a fuck who you are or who you know. You aren't going to win this fight. I stood up straight and took a step toward him, leaving little space between us. Give me a reason. Give me even the smallest reason, and I will fucking end you. When I'm through with you, you'll wish you were dead. You'll beg me to kill you. Even then, I'll let you rot in the dirt, living out the last moments of your life in the worst pain you could ever imagine wishing you'd never fucked with me. Make whatever threat you want on me, but the line is drawn with the people I love. If you don't believe me, fucking try me." I didn't wait for his answer. I turned around and walked out. End of flashback. I stared out the windows in my private lounge room. The darkness of night enveloped the city, while the lights lit it back up. It was easily two in the morning after putting Mikey back to bed after a nightmare, and making sure Tori got to sleep safely after taking the pill. I wanted to hunt him down and make him suffer for what he did, but as much as I wanted to make good on my threats, I wouldn't. He wasn't worth the sacrifice. He wasn't worth the time of day to me. I'd let the system make him pay. I'd let him go through the trial and watch him get sentenced to death. I'd trust that every other man in that prison would make sure he went through hell for having the audacity to threaten the life of a child. To have even the thought of taking life away from someone who hadn't even had the chance to see how beautiful the world is. I wouldn't even go to his execution. I didn't care if he lived or died. All I wanted was to know he'd live out the rest of his life regretting ever crossing paths with me. Cold? Absolutely. Did I feel bad? Not in the slightest. Chapter Thirty-Three, Memories. This is one? I nodded and he looked around, so what's the story here? I rubbed my arm and studied all of the details of another familiar place. The park was only lit up by the glow of the full moon shining through the clouds. A streetlight at least a hundred yards away didn't offer much light. I walked over to a tree I remembered and ran my fingers over the carving. He stood next to me and flicked a lighter to see what I was looking at. He saw the J plus T carved inside a heart, from when Jade and I had only first started dating. He pulled a pack of cigarettes out of his pocket and handed one to me, putting the other between his lips. He lit mine first, then his. I never particularly liked cigarettes, but I was just used to accepting them anyway. We stood in silence for a few minutes as we smoked. He stared closely at the carving in the tree, and then when his cigarette was gone, he flicked it toward the tree stump. The fall leaves gathered around the base began to smoke, and to further the process, he used his lighter to set fire on the other three sides. He then held onto my hand and pulled me backward just as flames began to engulf the tree. I felt a little nauseated. As much as I wanted to forget everything that made me think of her, it hurt to watch something that had once meant so much to me now burning to ash. He seemed pleased and leaned down to kiss me. One more down, he mumbled as he led me away from the tree and back to the car. The smoke rose high in the sky as we drove off, and I knew that the fire very well could burn out of control. Somehow, I found it hard to care. That fire could gain strength and burn as bright as the sun and there was nothing I could do about it. Just like there was nothing I could do about the disaster I'd started. It was like walking away from an explosion that I had set. I didn't care about the collateral damage, because I destroyed what I set out to destroy. End of flashback. It was just like that, one after the other, destroying the memories I had of her replacing them with these vivid pictures in my mind of his power. He was my savior, he wiped the slate clean and painted a new picture. Do you think he meant to make everything a show of power for him?" I shifted in my seat and nodded, I think about it now, and I realize he wanted me to see how easily he could destroy something that made me happy. But months ago you only saw it as him trying to help and be a sort of comfort to you? Yeah, I think because of how emotionally fragile I was it was easy for me to fall in love with him. Do you think you were in love with him or the way he made you feel? You know, sometimes the way someone makes us feel can provoke stronger emotions than are actually there. I shook my head and looked down at my hands, maybe in a way, but I feel like if that were the case, I would be happy now about how he's probably going to be dead in a few months, if not sooner because of his wounds. I wouldn't say that's necessarily the case. It's not uncommon for someone to still feel empathy towards something like that, especially someone like you. I've noticed you seem to have a lot of empathy, even for people who wouldn't always deserve it. Flashback It's that, that fucking shit ton of emotions or whatever that's your fucking problem. It's called empathy, you fucking idiot. Aaron threw an empty bottle hard toward Jack's head though it hit the wall and shattered into a thousand pieces. Jack jumped up and lunged toward him and only managed to throw one punch before Jess shouted at them, Jesus, you two are like a couple of fucking frat boys. Knock it the fuck off and both of you sit down. Jack angrily grabbed the lighter off of the arm of the chair I was sitting on and lit a cigarette, fucking illiterate piece of dash. Shut the fuck up Jack, you didn't even fucking finish high school nobody here did." Aaron rubbed the side of his face, Jess did. She's all smart and shit. Jess held her hands up, both of you shut up, okay? Neither of you are saying anything worthwhile, so just don't fucking say anything. Tori, she looked toward me, I swear to whatever fucking higher power there is, if you don't stop treating every person you meet like a lost fucking puppy, I will kill you myself. I like you, but you're going to get someone killed. That was the fucking problem to begin with," Aaron muttered around the cigarette he was attempting to light. If I have to tell you to shut up one more time you're going to get fucking gunned down in the street the next time you go outside. He grunted angrily but stayed quiet. Jess pointed at me, you are not responsible for every person in the universe who dies. People are going to get shot, people will get stabbed people will overdose. That's how the world fucking works, okay? Danny killed two fucking people just to save your dumb ass. That's blood we can't fucking afford to have on our hands, okay? Do you understand what I'm telling you?" I nodded, but didn't say anything. Do you fucking understand what I'm telling you? She shouted this time. Yes. She grabbed a pistol off of the table. Checked that it was loaded, then cocked it. People fucking die in these streets. Shit happens. Emotions won't get you anywhere. You can't keep feeling sorry for every person in the world. Which means I need you to prove to me that you have the power to watch someone die with a straight fucking face, because this can't keep on. You're gonna get people killed, and you need to show me that this won't be a problem for you anymore. Aaron opened his mouth to say something but shut it as soon as Jess turned the gun on him. My heart skipped a beat when I thought she meant she was going to shoot him, but somehow her intentions were worse. She gave him a stern look, then looked back at me and put on her jacket, tucking the gun in her pocket, come on. Where are we going? I couldn't help but ask. She picked up my jacket off of another chair and handed it to me, forty south. End of flashback. I've been told that I feel empathy much more than I should," I whispered. It's interesting for someone who spent so much time with gangs to still feel empathy towards things like that. She smiled, it's not a bad thing. I sighed, it was for them. Why was it a problem for them? My empathy caused a lot of problems. What kind of problems? I leaned back on the couch, long story short, People ended up dying because I felt bad that people died. What did they do about it? Flashback. Look, one way or another, you're gonna have to get over this fucking empathy thing. It's either this, or you're out. Nobody will deal for you, nobody takes you. In, and you're an enemy. That's if it's up to me. Anyone else would probably have you killed for what you already know. So what you're telling me is I have no choice. More or less. Look, I like you. You're a great friend and a pretty good person. Good people don't usually end up with people like us unless they have a hell of a story to tell. I don't know yours, so whatever. I didn't really have the heart to tell her the reason I ended up in this situation was a desire to stay perfect in everyone else's minds. I already knew she planned on molding me into perfection, or at least as close as she could get me. She took the gun out of her pocket and handed it to me, it's got two rounds. Don't fuck up. End of flashback. You know how sometimes when people have fears, they face them to get over it? Like people afraid of heights will go up on a ferris wheel, or people afraid of the dark will sit in a dark room for a while? She had this look on her face as if she didn't want to believe it, and asked almost hesitantly, did they make you kill someone? I looked down at my hands. I didn't want to answer her. I didn't even want to think about it. I figured she was good enough at drawing conclusions. I'm not proud of any of it. A lot of it is stuff I don't even like to remember. I haven't told anyone either. I feel like a monster for everything I did all the blood on my hands. The last part just sort of slipped out. I regretted it immediately, but I was still happy it was her that heard it, rather than Jade or even Cat. Why are you afraid to tell me these things? Are you afraid I'll take it to the authorities?" I shook my head, no. For the past few years I always lived with the knowledge that anyone who says things they shouldn't to the wrong people end up disappearing. Besides, I know it's against the law for certain people to share information they shouldn't. Like Catholic priests in confessions, psychiatrists, and therapists. She seemed curious at that, are you Catholic? I'm not religious at all. I gave up on religion when I realized it only made me feel worse. I just know because someone I knew bragged about how they killed someone and confessed to it to a priest and then the priest ended up committing suicide because he couldn't live with knowing what he knew, and not being able to tell anyone, because of his vow of silence. I can see how something like that would eat away at a person. But, therapists and counselors are allowed to disclose private information if they deem their client to be dangerous. Do you think I'm dangerous? She shook her head, a dangerous person wouldn't usually attempt to seek help. By asking for my help, I can see a desire for you to become better. To cleanse these horrible thoughts from your mind, and attempt to move forward with your life. I see a lot of potential in you, a lot of promise. You aren't the sort of person to put yourself in a bad situation just because. You had a reason for going to those gangs, you had a reason for not leaving. You showed empathy when it wasn't accepted, which tells me you aren't the dangerous type. You have so much going for you, and I think it'd be silly for you to give everything up now, after you've only just gotten it back." I don't want to lose Jade again, I whispered. Next time you're here, we will attempt a hypnosis session. I'm sure you're aware of the dangers involved, but if you have any questions, I'll answer if I can. These memories I might have, once we retrieve them, will I have them forever? Attempting to remember something your mind intentionally forgot will more likely than not leave you with them forever. However, making peace and coming to terms with them will help you move on. So this hypnosis is in my best interest? I believe so, yes. Come here, you've got to see this. See what? I need my coffee, cat, I can't function without it. She just grabbed my arm, bring it with you then. I groaned and followed her out of the kitchen to the basement door. We went down the stairs and in the corner with more of the training gear, several people were standing around Jade and another woman that looked very familiar. Everyone who lived in the house full-time was there, as well as five other people. Three men, the woman sparring with Jade and Mallory. As Kat and I sat down on the second to last step, I could see why she thought it so important that I saw this. The clothes consisting of yoga pants, sports bras, shorts, and cut-up shirts left a lot of eye candy for us. "'How long have you been watching this?' I whispered to her. Longer than I'd care to admit. I sipped my coffee and watched the two spar while the others would give directions. I eventually had to ask, who's the girl she's sparring with? I think her name is Amanda, but I can't remember the last. She looks familiar, I muttered. She shrugged, she should. She and Jade had a fight like a year and a half ago. You watched all of them, right? I nodded as I remembered why she looked familiar, I was wondering. I recognized her, but I couldn't remember why. As far as I know, she's one of the few that Jade genuinely liked, even before fighting. I guess she tends to put up a guard for most of them. At that point, I wasn't sure if they just hadn't noticed us, or chose not to pay any mind to us. After a few minutes, Amanda walked over to a bunch of water bottles and picked up her own to take a drink. One of the guys stood in front of Jade. You have five seconds, lay him out, Randy told Jade, then looked at the man, attack her, put up as much resistance as you can. They both adjusted their stances, and the man lunged toward her with speed and precision. She attempted to take him down, but wasn't able to before the five seconds was up. Watch how he moves and use it to your advantage. Jade seemed to pay more attention to how he moved, and as he lunged the second time, she was able to use his energy against him and take him down. Randy nodded as Jade helped the guy up. Good. Do you remember the video we watched? Did you pay attention to the way she moved? She put her hands on her hips and spoke in a breathy voice, yeah, no specifics though, but I understood. He stood in front of her and held his hands up as if to block her, but held his index finger up toward her, she moves with purpose, like you do. I studied her closely, watching how I moved. Find a way around it. I've never seen these two spar before. He's always just given directions, I've never even seen him fight," Kat muttered. As talented and skilled as Jade was, she struggled to keep up with Randy, though she held her own against him. Kat suddenly spoke up again after a minute or so, I still feel kind of bad for her. I looked at her curiously, and she clarified, the fact that one of the biggest fights of her career is happening on her mom's birthday. I mean it's admirable, what she's doing, but it's crazy. I finished up the last of my coffee inside, she's resilient. I don't think she'll have a problem concentrating at the moment. She may fall to pieces afterward, but she has the strength to get through it. Everyone seems to have so much confidence in her, even though she doesn't seem to have much in herself. She has a knack for coming out on top even when the odds are stacked against her. She just doesn't like to give up, even when it's a lost cause. Kat stood up and offered her hand to me, come on, I want to talk to you. I followed her upstairs, but made a side trip back to the kitchen to refill my cup, then up to the second floor. We sat in the lounge room at the top of the stairs and watched the movement outside through the windows. So this hypnosis thing you're doing tomorrow, how do you feel about it? How do I feel about it? I shrugged and swirled the coffee around in the mug, I don't want it. I don't want to remember. I think it's a ridiculously stupid idea and I'm fucking terrified. Tell me how you really feel," she deadpanned. I shook my head, I don't want these thoughts in my mind to get worse. I'm already haunted by all of the horrible things I've done. She had a sense of morbid curiosity that reminded me a lot of my own. What was the worst thing you've done? Flashback. That's twelve. Twelve fucking people dead because of that potent shit. I swear to you, I'm gonna hunt that son of a bitch down and torture him until he fucking dies. Steven didn't even seem to be talking to me at that point. I was a little confused as to why he wasn't blaming me, but I wasn't complaining. It was hard to wrap my head around the fact that now 16 people are dead because of me. I was a monster, and I knew it. It was a hard pill to swallow. Listen up," he finally said to me, nobody hears about this, understand? Far as everyone else knows, this never happened. Bunch A junkies got careless and owed, we had nothing to do with it. I nodded slowly but didn't look up from the ground. I suddenly saw a flash of movement, and his hand struck my cheek. We had nothing to do with this. Do you fucking understand me? I flinched away from him and put my hand on my cheek, We had nothing to do with this." He growled and stood up straight, "'I've got shit to do. Don't fuck anything else up while I'm gone.'" End of flashback. I listened to people I shouldn't have, I mumbled. "'You've got a lot of skeletons in your closet, don't you?' I doubt she realized just how accurate that was. While there weren't actual skeletons in the closet, death was the problem. I huffed, life just kind of sucks sometimes. I'm not entirely convinced they aren't trying to kill me. I'm no expert, but knowing the type of people you hang around, if they wanted you dead, you would be six feet under by now. I think they're just drawing it out for the sole purpose of watching me suffer. I left the bathroom and laid face down in bed, I doubt that's their intention. She followed soon after, groaning and mumbling to herself like an angry child. It was a little adorable. She knelt on the bed, but didn't move or say anything for a few seconds. I felt her fingers on my hip, but it wasn't as if she just wanted to touch me, more as if she wanted to confirm something she saw. Is there a problem? I asked, making myself comfortable. There's a, um, she hesitated, a burn or something on your hip. I didn't feel very concerned over it. I think I was a little too tired to care. At least, until she added, "'It looks like an old cigarette burn.'" Things I didn't remember up until that moment flooded my mind, and it took every bit of willpower I had to keep the thoughts away. I didn't want to remember. Flashback. No, no, look, it was before he came in the room, right? We legit were on top of the tables dancing and singing jingle bells as he walked in. He just walked right back out. He was so done." Alexis rolled her eyes and put her fork down, see, this is exactly why you end up with detention every week. Kristen didn't look sorry at all, it's worth it, dude. He's a piece of crap, so I just have fun at his expense. It makes people laugh, so it can't be that bad. You made pterodactyl noises in the middle of a test. I'll admit that one made me giggle a little bit," I chuckled. "'We heard it all the way down the hall in Johnson's room,' Jen added, giggling. "'It was funny as shit, wasn't it?' Kristen exclaimed. "'Why are you condoning this?' Jen leaned back in her seat, "'Whoa bro, that was a big word. We're in high school, It shouldn't really surprise you that people are starting to use big words," Alexis pointed out. "'Dude, intellectually,' Jen pointed at her head, "'I'm still learning the alphabet.' "'Look, all I'm saying is that messing with him like this is gonna come back and bite you in the ass if you keep up.'" Kristen looked up past where I was sitting and pointed, "'West, tell Miss Prim and Proper here that Mr. C deserves every bit of shit I give him. I turned just in time to see Jade sitting down next to me, no lunch tray, but holding a water bottle. She easily responded, he does. He's a bit of a shithead. Jade reached into the pocket of her sweatpants, and handed me a cookie wrapped in a napkin, figured you'd want this. Riley brought in cookies for the team, but it wasn't really my cup of tea. You hate tea, I pointed out. Exactly. I grabbed the cookie and muttered, wouldn't want to tarnish that stunning figure of yours. I've gotta stay attractive for you so you're always interested, right? I rolled my eyes. Kristen smiled widely and clasped her hands together, you two are just the cutest. Why aren't you dating yet? I totally ship it, Jen added. What are you talking about? We're already married, we have two kids, a minivan, and a mortgage. I nearly choked on the cookie. Kristen shook her head, legit, I cannot see you driving a minivan. You'd just be nah, bro, this limbo? It has a passenger seat, I'll just toss the car seat there, NBD. She actually said the letters, which amused me. What am I supposed to do with the other one? The car's got a trunk, doesn't it? I looked at Jade, so, who's the favorite and who gets to ride in the trunk? Dude, I'd be all over riding in the trunk. Jade rested her chin on her hand, how old are the kids? I shrugged, you were supposed to keep track. Look, I can't keep track of little things like that when it's my job to do the important things like bring you cookies. Can you two just kiss and fall in love and be together forever? I don't know if that fits in my schedule. Alexis finally seemed to get over Kristen's antics and asked, You play tonight, don't you? As Jade talked about the game they'd be playing that night, I had a weird feeling of not finding Kristen's demand of us falling in love totally crazy. I shook my head and finished up my lunch. End of flashback. Are you okay? As she laid down next to me, I rested my arm across her stomach and my head on her shoulder. I'm scared, I mumbled. Her fingers played through my hair, offering the bit of comfort she knew she could. Are you sure you want to do this? No, I admitted, but I know I don't have a choice. She didn't seem to have a response for that, and just stayed quiet. I sighed and held her closer to me, I need you. You have me. Forever? It was a stupid question, I knew it. I was just a hopeless romantic at heart and needed that little bit of reassurance. She hummed quietly, I mean, the fact that I tried like hell to find someone new for so long and wasn't able to is kind of a testament to the fact that there really isn't anyone that can replace you. How'd I know you would answer like that? Well, you do know me better than anyone else. Do I? I feel like at this point your trainers would know you better. She chuckled, they know my fighting style, my skill, my experience. I bet you Beck can tell you any one of my physical attributes off the top of his head to the exact number. They know that the vast majority of the time I have enough sarcasm to make anyone roll their eyes, they know to expect my dry humor at any given time, and they know that after I win a fight or make any big accomplishment in general that my ego has the capability to crush small cities. But, they still don't know me quite as well as you do." Don't sell yourself short, I mumbled, your ego can easily crush moderately-sized cities.